Number eight. I was listening to the eighth speaker in a long line of presenters during an event, and as I listened to each speaker, I tried my very best to stay focused, to get the most out of the information, and to make sure that I was paying attention and being present to what they had to say. By speaker number eight, however, I started to notice that some speakers were better at grabbing. And retaining my attention than others. Now, mind you, at this point in time, I had never considered myself a professional speaker. I had not been trained in any way, shape, or form to stand in front of people and deliver presentations like these people were doing, and I had no clue what to do or what to look for. So I was just amazed at the fact that these people were actually able to stand in front of a group of a couple hundred people and deliver their presentations without collapsing from the nervousness and the fear. So I was quite impressed with the fact that they were there to begin with. But I did start to notice as speaker after speaker took the stage that some were able to retain my attention in a more natural and、um, effective way than others. And I started to wonder and question why that was. Why did that happen? What was different in the speakers that were able to really hook me and keep my attention for a prolonged period of time, and those that, in spite of having wonderful information that I knew I could use, kind of lost me along the way or didn't really retain my focus as they were speaking. And I noticed some things that have, throughout the years, become part of the pillars that I share with my clients when they are wanting to become effective speakers who can hang on to their audience's attention. And I decided that today it might be good to go back, kind of, to my roots and share with you some of the biggest mistakes that I noticed on those people at that particular event a few years back. It was actually like 15 years ago. And also share with you some tips and some strategies that are going to help you not just avoid those key mistakes that a lot of speakers make, but also make your presentations easier and more seamless, and also even help you rise above some of that stage fright and some of that fear that we often experience when we're standing in front of a large group of people. Actually, standing in front of anybody and talking and being vulnerable. So today, on sincerely speaking, we are going to tackle the three biggest mistakes that professional public speakers make, and we're going to see how knowing these mistakes can actually help us refine our presentations as we step forward into sharing our message and into being more impactful and creating a greater legacy for ourselves, our families, and the world. Are you ready? Let's hop right in to the three biggest mistakes. Let's go. There is an obvious lack of leadership in the world. Nations without effective governments, businesses unable to adapt to crisis and change, schools where adults are afraid of children, and families that have lost their standing as the foundation of society. Is there any hope? What can anyone do to change this grim outlook? This is sincerely speaking, and here we will explore how self-leadership and the pillars of clarity, communication, connection, and competence can ignite the fire of change one spark at a time. I am Marcia Maro, and I welcome you to this open conversation here in Sincerely Speaking. So again, these mistakes are framed around presenting in front of an audience. 
so presenting in front of a group of people but there are lessons to be learned from these mistakes even if you are simply putting on a presentation virtually or you're speaking one-on-one -on -one, or you are um, just creating a different kind of environment with your messaging and your presentation so even as i prepare for my podcast to speak to you through this medium I have these things in mind and they help me not just refine my message and make it more impactful, but they also help me be more focused on what's really important, which helps me avoid a lot of the apprehension and the nervousness that can arise from knowing that people are going to be listening to what you have to say and are going to be creating a, an opinion, right? Form, formulating a judgment based on what they hear from you in these presentations. So the very first mistake that I want to address is speaking to an audience. Now, I know that probably sounds ridiculous and nonsensical. Like I just said, these mistakes come from standing in front of an audience and trying to speak. The difference and what I would love for you to really wrap your head around is the fact that when you're trying to speak to an audience, you're speaking to a lifeless blob, an entity that doesn't have personality, that doesn't have needs, that doesn't have emotions, that doesn't connect with anything because it is impersonal. It is just this huge blob of people gathered together. But when you think of speaking to an audience, then it becomes such a daunting task to try and think about how do I hold the attention? How do I captivate and how do I engage with this entity that is so big, that is formless, that is composed of so many different pieces that it's hard to bring them together? So speaking to an audience will make you super, super nervous because Part of the reason why public speaking is so difficult, and I've addressed this in the past, is because it takes you back, it takes your primitive mind back to the times when human beings were haunted, right? When we were prey. And so when you are prey, the most <laughs> terrifying sight that you can have is a bunch of predator eyes staring at you like your dinner, right? So when you start to think about your presentation as having to address an audience what you're doing is creating that same kind of scenario for yourself where you have dozens hundreds maybe even thousands of eyes looking at you as though you're prey as though they're about to pounce and attack you and so your primitive instinct of survival kicks in and you go straight into fight flight or freeze when you are thinking of the deliverance of your presentation of your information as speaking to an audience, you are creating for yourself a much more nerve-wracking experience than you actually need to. Plus, it makes it really, really hard to figure out how do I engage this audience? How do I make sure that this audience is being served the right way? How do I keep in tune and in touch with the emotions and the feelings of a blob, a crowd, a group? That is nearly impossible. It's very hard to do. And even the most skilled speakers don't really tackle a presentation as speaking to an audience. You can do that if you have something that is um, more emotionally driven, like if you're, if you're a singer, you can address a whole audience if your music 
is filled with that emotional aspect of it, right? If you can infuse your singing and your voice with the emotion that you're feeling in such a way that it resonates with the audience, and then they reply or they respond to that. If you are in theater and you are delivering an actual play or a presentation, you can think of the audience because really in the execution of it, you're not even addressing them. You're addressing the other cast members, the other characters that are on stage with you. And on the rare occasion when you have an aside or a soliloquy where you're directly talking at the audience or towards the audience, then you're really thinking about the emotion behind that particular scene that makes it more powerful by you being there, right? So we need to separate these things for a minute. But when you are presenting, when you are delivering a speech, giving a presentation, a workshop, when you are standing in front of a group of people with information that you want them to take on and to really understand, the worst thing you can do is stand there and try to speak to the whole audience. If you think about the most prolific and the most gifted orators of our time, um, you can think of like a Tony Robbins or you can think of a President Obama or you can think of, um, I don't know, just think of your favorite orator, right? And think about what makes them so amazing is the fact that they make you feel like they're talking directly to you. And the way they do that is by actually focusing on trying to speak to one person, not to the audience. One of the things that you can do is think about, and in business we talk a lot about ICA, right? Your ideal client avatar or the person that you have in mind when you create your offer or when you produce your advertisements or when you create your content. In public speaking, you can do something similar. So think about as you are preparing for this presentation, who specifically do you have in mind? Who specifically are you thinking about when you put this together? If you can focus specifically on that one person, if you can think about one individual that would really benefit from what you have to offer, that you can take from point A to point B or even point Z in your presentation and help them feel something, help some sort of transformation begin in them through this presentation. And you can prepare your content in such a way that speaks directly to that person, you're already ahead of the game. And then you're going to notice when you stand in front of your people to deliver your presentation. If you focus on one person at a time, that releases your nerves a little bit because ultimately it's not really about you or how you feel. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. It's about how that person is going to feel and what that person is going to get out of your presentation and the information that you're sharing with them. So the very first thing is to stop speaking to an entire audience and start speaking to individuals within that audience and make it one-on-one -on -one conversations and mass. So you're thinking about having conversations with individuals, just that there's a bunch of individuals in the room and it's now just a pair of eyes to your pair of eyes. And when you are speaking live to people, it's important to actually look for eyes to engage with, look for a way to lock eyes with individuals as you present. And that is not only because it will 
tie the audience into your presentation and into your emotions a lot more easily and a lot more seamlessly but it is also because it will ease your nerves as you stop looking at the mass of heads in front of you stop looking at the blob at the uh, huge entity that is an audience and start looking at human beings that are actually interested in what you have to say that don't really care about anybody else around them but you and them and the more you can make it about you and me one-on-one -on -one, the easier it's going to be for you to connect with the entire audience believe it or not but it's also going to ease your nerves a lot faster so that's the first one stop thinking about your presentations as speaking to an entire audience instead focus on speaking to the individual and to making the individual feel heard and understood and seen and like you're a life person which you are that they can relate to right which leads us a little bit to mistake number two and mistake number two is focusing too much on credentials and here's what i mean by that not all presenters and not all presentations call for credentials necessarily but there has been a trend throughout the decades i would say that teaches speakers to somewhere in the first I don't know, five to 10 minutes at the most, usually within the first minute and a half to go into why should you listen to me and let me share my credentials and let me share everything that I have done to make me, um, to entitle me to being here in front of you and why you should listen to what I have to say is because of all of these credentials and all of these accomplishments and all of these accolades that I have received. Well, I heard Simon Sinek not too long ago say that when you do this, when you focus on your credentials, what you're actually doing is creating a chasm between you and the people listening to you. So you're actually creating a void between you and that person that you're supposed to be resonating with, that you're supposed to be connecting to. Because if they don't have the same level of credentialing, if they don't have the same experience or the same credibility, quote unquote, that you have because of whatever, what is going to what that is going to produce in them is the feeling that oh yeah this person can do all these amazing things because they have all those credentials and all that experience and all of that other credibility behind them but i don't have that so that means i can't do it so instead of inspiring them to move towards whatever action you want them to take you are actually creating in them a huge doubt and a huge sense of apprehension about whether they have what it takes to do whatever it is that you're inviting them to do. So instead of focusing so much on credentialing, think about what story do you have? What story have you lived through or what story have you heard? It doesn't even have to be a story that you experienced yourself, but what story do you know? that is going to cement in the person that you're talking to the knowledge and the understanding that you are just like them that you have experienced things that are similar to them that you are not any superhuman uh, super powerful being that can do all these things because of some amazing superpower they are going to get from the story the idea and the notion and the belief that if you can do it so can they and that is the ultimate goal of establishing that rapport at the beginning of your presentation which 
People used to tell us all the time, and I have done that in the past, and there are moments when perhaps that is the, the way to go, right? But when they told us to spew out our credentials and what made us qualified to give that particular presentation, the idea was, okay, people are going to listen to all this information and their conclusion is going to be Ooh, this person has what it takes I should listen to them because they have valuable information to share because of their experience but what has happened more and more especially as people have become more used to that model is that it makes them very often feel like there's this void again this gap between where they are and where you have been or where you are right now and it makes them feel like there's no way they can reach it it's similar to um, when you scroll through Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or any of these platforms now and you see this facade or this perfect image that people are portraying and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, I wish I could be that, but there's no way I ever can be because look at where I'm at and look at where they're at. And if you could only see behind the scenes, if you could only take a quick peek at where they're really coming from and what they have really experienced, you would notice that they're not really all that different from you. But in showing or presenting only the best parts, only the polished version, only the parts that look good and make them look grander than life, they are actually creating a void between you and them that doesn't allow you to step forward and say look i want what you're offering because if you could do it so can i so what we have noticed throughout the decades really and what i have experienced myself is that if we start with a story that helps the person you're addressing resonate with you and understand that you are not that different and that if you could do it so can they then that is going to accelerate that building of rapport and that connection by leaps and bounds is going to really make it a lot easier for you to connect with that person and to create an environment in which that person wants to learn from you and grow with you and see what you have to offer and maybe even jump into the experience of working with you because they feel like you must definitely understand them because of how similar you seem at this point because of how many points of connection and similarities they see between your story and theirs so as you explore how to create that rapport how to create that connection within the first three minutes of your presentation make sure that you are presenting that person that you're talking to with a great story that connects with them that creates an emotional tie between you and them and an emotional doesn't have to be oh we're crying together or there was this horrible thing that happened my story at the beginning of the podcast today was about listening to other people speak and some of the revelations that i had it had nothing to do with anything purely sad or difficult or emotional in my life but i believe that as you listened to that story you could probably transport yourself to a situation or an event in which you were listening to a bunch of people and you noticed a difference in the way some connected with you and the way some others didn't and that was the intention of that story at the beginning to put 
you in a space where you could think, oh, wait a minute, yeah. If nothing else, you probably thought about some of your teachers in school and how some of them connected with you right away while others had the whole year and never made a connection with you. And that kind of understanding that we have experienced similar things is probably why you're still listening right now. It's probably what led you to thinking, wait a minute, if Marcy actually experienced looking at other speakers and learning from them and seeing what worked and what didn't. If Marcy at one point was a newbie at this thing and didn't even know the difference between what makes a good speaker and what makes a poor speaker, then the trajectory she's been through, the journey she's been through is one that I can probably follow as well and one that she can help me navigate through and get to the other end of with a more positive result without so much of the stress or the drama. And that's what I, that, that was the intention, right? To get us on the same page so that you and I can have this whole conversation understanding that I am not an alien that was dropped here from another planet with this innate ability to speak to other people. And it's also important for you to understand that at the beginning of my journey, I was awkward and I was scared and I was terrified and I felt all the feelings and all the fear. So when you stop worrying about credentialing and showing or proving that you deserve to be heard, that also releases a lot of the stress. What qualifies you to deliver the presentation you're delivering is the fact that you're human and that you have walked at least a couple of steps ahead of the person you're talking to. So you don't have to be 100% at the end of the journey. You don't have to know a million things more than the person you're trying to help. You only need to be one or two steps ahead of that person to help them navigate those one or two steps because the thing is, by the time they get to the step you're in right now, you're going to be two or three steps further ahead as well. So as you continue to move forward, the other person feels comfortable following you because you're clearing the way. It's like, have you seen those movies when people have to walk through a jungle and it's very thick? vegetation and plants and trees and all these things and there's one that walks ahead of the group with a machete just chopping off the branches and the leaves and clearing a narrow path right it's not a huge avenue that this person is creating with a machete it's a narrow path for the rest of the people to follow but the fact that that person is going ahead with a machete clearing the way makes it easier safer and more enticing for the people behind them to follow down that path. So it's important for you to see yourself as the person with a machete that only needs to be a couple of paces ahead. In fact, if that person with a machete goes too far ahead to where the other people can no longer see them, it might become a more treacherous track for the other people because the vegetation is so thick that it might start overrunning that narrow, that very narrow and, and uh, limited path that the person with a machete just just cleared right so going too far ahead of the person that you're talking to is not a benefit it's actually a detriment to the relationship and to the assistance that you want to provide so don't worry about don't put that weight on your shoulders of 
thinking that you have to prove you're qualified or that you deserve being heard. Everybody deserves being heard, first of all. And secondly, what qualifies you to give that information is the precise fact that you have lived through the couple of steps that are next for that person following you, right? So you are paving the way a few steps at a time. Now, once you understand that the conversation is one-on-one, -on -one, even if there's a million people, and that you don't need to worry about proving that you're worth listening to, that your stories are going to do that job for you, and that as people hear you present your information and see the content and see what you have to share, they will come to their own conclusions. I mean, you can spew out a million different credentials and you will still have people who will look at you and say nah thank you I don't want to listen to you I don't think you deserve my time and that is perfectly okay release that tension remove that don't put energy on whether the person will actually see you as credentialed enough or as qualified enough just focus on delivering the best information that you can which leads us to mistake number three and that is actually giving too much information. Now, I absolutely love Russell Brunson, and I am going to mention the name because if you are anywhere near the um, online marketing business, you've heard him speak before. So I absolutely love him. He is a huge part of the reason why I have my business today. But in every webinar that he presents, or he used to, I don't know if he still does, but in most of the presentations that he used to give, he would some sometime near the end before pitching his offer he would show an image of this kid with a hose just spraying a huge amount of water in their face and he would say something along the lines of I know I speak really fast and I know you probably feel like a hose of water has just been sprayed in your face with all the information I just sent your way and I used to think that that was kind of cool but the more i dive into this business and the more i think about my prior experiences and what really works for me for my clients and what really is important the more i understand that if he were just to stop the reliance on that image and really refine specifically what he offers even remove and simplify the information that he delivers, people would walk away feeling like they got more value than by just getting a bunch of information disputed at them, right? Just thrown at them. Because you're only able really to retain so much information. And the more you feel overwhelmed by the volume and the speed of the information that's being thrown at you, the less likely you are to retain that information and to actually take action on it. Think about it for yourself. Isn't that true? That if you are sitting in a space where they're just throwing stuff at you left and right, you end up feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. You forget half of it. You are not able to capture a lot of it. And then in the end, if you do take action, it's very limited because the information you were able to retain was so limited so how do we avoid giving too much information while at the same time making sure that we are adding value to people's lives well the first thing we need to do is understand that we have to have an end result in mind if we are not clear of where we want to take 
that person that we're speaking to, then we might end up just zigzagging or going around in circles and ending up in the same spot without um, helping them at all, helping them move forward or make progress so that they feel like they have taken some step towards realizing their end result or achieving their main goal. So in any presentation, in any deliverance of information, anytime that you're giving information to someone else, make sure that the first thing you clarify for yourself is what is the end result? What is the movement forward, the slight transformation, the push in the right direction, right? The nudge that I want to give this person that I'm speaking to. Remember, we're thinking about one person at a time, right? So in the case of this particular podcast episode, for example, my nudge is to help release the tension behind public speaking so that it doesn't feel as heavy to you moving forward. So that the next time you are faced with the opportunity or the situation in which you are about to deliver information to other people, it doesn't feel as loaded or as heavy, and you can feel not just qualified and prepared, but eager to go out and do this thing, to go out and give the information, and to go out and deliver and serve in the best way that you can. So the very first thing is really to understand that you have to start with the end in mind. In teaching, we call that bark backwards planning, right? So we would know what the end result would be, what we would want the student to be able to do at the end of our lesson or our unit. And then we would backwards plan and think, okay, in order for my student to be able to demonstrate this mastery or this level of understanding, what do we need to do? between now and then to get them there. And that's where we would plan the actual um, activities and the actual resources and all the other things that we would need in order to get to that point, right? So it is the absolute same thing with any presentation that you're giving. Think about the person that you're delivering the information to clarify like razor sharp, razor sharp what it is that you want the end result to be. And then think about three maximum to maximum five things that you can share with them that are going to help them move forward in the right direction. If you think back to my podcast episodes, you're going to notice a pattern and a trend. You're going to notice that I always have one to two main points that I'm delivering, one to two main points. So if you think back to last week's episode, I went into defining something and then I went into how to do it, right? So the most I do is either clarify and then give you steps or simply just give you the steps like I'm doing today. But when I get straight into the steps or the details of the information I'm giving you, I will very seldom, if ever, go above three to five things. Like today's is three things, the three mistakes. And I am about to wrap up the third one. But that's how you narrow down the information that you give. And then once you figure out your three to five points that you're going to make, go back and make sure that as you line them up, as you organize them, as you put them together, they really do lead towards that end goal or that end result that you had already clarified and defined for yourself and the person you're speaking to, right? So once you do that, then eliminate everything else. 
you might be tempted to say, but wait a minute, if they don't understand this other thing, it's going to be hard for them to understand this point. Or if they don't understand, you know what the easiest way to help people understand a point is? Is to actually illustrate it with a story. If you go back and listen to this episode, I have three or four little pieces of stories that I sprinkled throughout, and all of them were meant to help move your understanding forward. And if you can think of a story that will solidify the point you're trying to make, then you don't need to give the information. You just get to trust that they will get the point of the story. Or you can just quickly mention what the point of the story is before you transition into the actual point. And trust that your audience, that the person you're talking to, that the people you're trying to help are smart enough to put two and two together, that they have what it takes to piece these things together, especially if you have organized them in such a way that flows and makes sense, right? So your job is to clarify the end result, to figure out the three to five main points that are going to move them closer to that result as the presentation ends, and to sprinkle in stories that are going to help solidify the points that you're trying to bring forward. Everything else, you can trust the audience to kind of put together. One last thing I would say in this, the way to ensure that less is more is also by making sure that you are organized in your presentation. Don't jump jump around from one thing to the next, right? And that's another part of our job as we present to other people. So to wrap up, <laughs> to make sure that we are all on the same page. And this is another technique, is repetition, right? But the three biggest mistakes that public speakers make that not only make it difficult for the audience to get the result that they're after, but that also make it a lot harder on the speaker because it makes them more nervous and it makes them less uh, accurate in their presentation is number one trying to speak to a whole audience instead focus on speaking to one individual at a time one-on-one -on -one conversations in mass right that's the that's the thought the second mistake is focusing too much on credentialing and on trying to prove that they deserve to be heard or that they have what it takes that they're qualified in some way or another what best qualifies you for your presentation is what you have lived through it's who you are it's the trajectory and the journey that you've gone through just help the person that you're speaking to come along on that journey with you right especially through stories and then finally the third mistake is giving too much information Giving too much information makes it overwhelming for the person you're speaking to and also is too much for you to try to keep track of and deliver in a way that is effective. So start with the end in mind. Make sure that you know exactly the result or the uh, end point that you want to take your audience to, your person to, and then decide on three to five key things that you can share with them that are going to help move them further forward towards that end result that you wanted to share with them and just focus on that. Now, I really hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope that you have found value in this information and that at the end of this, you do feel like public speaking is something that is not this huge weight that you have on you, but something that you can take on having fun and sharing just who you are authentically and with authority. Now, if you have found value in this presentation or in this conversation that we've had today, I invite you to share it with someone else that you think might find value in it. And in the meantime, if you're looking 
looking for more understanding on how to refine your message, how to hone in your messaging and your speaking so that you can create the greatest impact in the world while at the same time maybe even making some income on the side or making it your full profession to make an income out of your message, then I invite you to head on over to marciamaro.com and book a free path paving call where we will talk for 30 minutes. I will get to know you as much as I can in those 30 minutes and I will give you as much valuable valuable information as possible to help move you forward towards the first steps in refining and honing in your message and levering it for both impact and income. So again, go over to marciamaro.com and schedule your 30-minute path paving call today. I hope this has been helpful and until next time, this has been Marcia Amaro and this has been Sincerely Speaking.